0: we we just come with hearts soft this morning to ask that you would come and presence yourself with us we want to know you we want to know you more and more and we just ask Lord by the simplicity of preaching just as you've washed us with the words that Nick has spoken we pray that you would continue just to massage your truth and your life into our hearts as we open our hearts to you Thank you, Lord. I just uh, really want to share with you this morning something that has begun to so grip my heart that I, I just feel such a, a passion and an excitement in God. And um, I, just, I just feel like God is giving me greater and greater understanding and revelation of the fact that he wants us to know him and to know him so intimately And uh, as Nick said, there's that wonderful Westminster Confession that says, the chief end of man is to know God and to bring him glory. And something of that has begun to grip my heart and to make me realize how much of my life pursuits may not be that. And just as that slow realization that that joy that's... cannot be quenched, that comes from when we seek and hunger after knowing him, It's just the most amazing thing. But I wanted to just start off this morning by using a little bit of an analogy which I feel God gave me when I was gardening um, the other day and our our garden is being, uh, we've got a pile of rubble everywhere, we're trying to fix it up, so we'll invite you around when it's nicer to come to us. But um, I just uh, felt if I had this stick, which which is just a a dead piece of wood, and I took the stick and I placed it in the ground, and then I gave it a whole lot of water, and I fed it with good fertilizer and minerals, and I had the sun shining on it. Can I just see a a show of hands? Who of you have faith for this stick to grow into a wonderful tree? Bit of rain, water, good minerals. No no one have faith for this stick to grow? (laughs) And I think that's the right answer, because unless this stick has roots and it's grounded into, and it's firmly placed into roots, it will never grow. It can have all the sun it needs, it can have all the water it needs, it can have all the minerals it needs, but it will never grow into a tree. And... I started to think a bit that my life can be like that sometimes. And maybe you can identify with this. Because sometimes when we, we can have all the things that we need in our Christian lives that come and feed us. We have um, like the sun and the water and the rain. And those things can be like reading God's word, praying, meeting together with the saints, confessing our sins, being corrected uh, repenting, all of these things are wonderful means to which God allows his grace to be poured out into our lives but the reality is if we are not connected to the root if we're not connected and keep our hearts open to Jesus it is just black like being a stick in the ground and having all those wonderful means, the sun the rain, the prayer, the word but it will never make us grow because you see, growth in the Christian life, maturing as a Christian, is not an automatic given. It doesn't just happen. It happens when we keep our hearts open and soft to God and allow him to come and speak to us. And uh, if you, I just want to read to you John 5 verse 39 because Jesus faced the same thing in his day with the people that he was speaking to. And uh, I'll just read it for you. It says, he said to these people, he said, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify to me, but you're not willing to come to me that you might have life. And uh, you see, I believe the people in Jesus' day were very diligent, they were very faithful, they read the word of God. But they did not find life in those scriptures because they weren't allowing the word to point them to Christ, to cause them to open their hearts to him, to keep their hearts soft, to experience and know the living God of which these scriptures testified to. And we as Christians can be like sticks in the ground. We can have all the, me- the mechanics, all the principles, all the formulas for Christian living, but it doesn't mean it's gonna make us grow. The thing that makes us grow is hearts that are soft and open to our God and we allow him to come and minister to us and as we respond, we grow into trees. Otherwise, we are sticks in the ground. Yeah. When we trust and obey and allow the Holy Spirit to empower us, we see an amazing fruit. So I really want to speak, which is a bit of what Nick has introduced so far already, is this thing of finding communion with God. Because I believe, just as I said earlier, that is the reason that he made for us. You know, I I think our our lives find true meaning when we understand our purpose. Sometimes we're just not sure, why am I here? What Why do I have to get out of bed in the morning? What's the thing that keeps me going? And you know, for most of us, we'll find a reason. We'll find a purpose. But it might not be the noble one for which God has made us for. And it satisfies for a bit. It keeps us going for a bit. But it usually drives us to the end of just feeling burnt out. Because it's not our true destiny. Our true purpose for which he made us is that we were made to know him and enjoy him. And... uh, Thomas Carlyle, a, sc- a Scottish satirist, he said, a person without purpose is like a ship without a rudder, a homeless wanderer, a nothing, a no man. And uh, t- quite sad to think that we as Christians can sometimes describe ourselves like that. We know Christ, but yet he wants us to go deeper. He wants to have that, us to have that sense of purpose, to know him. One of my favorite verses is from when Jesus said this, eternal life is that they may know me. And that word know is the same word that is used in Genesis when it says that Adam knew his wife Eve. It speaks of that intimate knowing, like Nick was speaking about earlier. That is what eternity is about. That is what knowing, having eternal life. It is knowing God in such an intimate, vulnerable Uh, open-hearted way without any walls, without any defenses this is the knowing of God this is our eternal life and if you can just turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5 so Romans comes after Acts and before Corinthians if you can just turn there to Romans 5 and just want to read I would like to read up to verse 11, but I'm just going to focus on verse 1 because there's this wonderful verse that says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Isn't it an amazing thing that not only does God purpose for us to know him, but he's made the way possible. Isn't that amazing? He's given the way possible that we can be at peace with our God. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we can be at peace with God. And as and soon as we receive this grace of God from by faith, we stand justified before him. We are not condemned. We are able to have peace with the great God of heaven. And we are able to know him and enjoy the thing of him knowing us. So maybe I can explain to you what I mean, what I understand communion or knowing God as maybe explaining it with this little definition. It's the mutual sharing of those good things which delight each person in that relationship. It's a mutual sharing of the good things that delight each person in the relationship. So say for a, I know Ant likes cooking. He's, he loves cooking. So if I go and I buy him a whole lot of ingredients and I say, Ant, I'm sure you'd love to cook supper tonight. <laughs> because it delights you know and it'll delight me. No. I'm not trying to make it a using thing. But I know that he he loves to cook and that it will be a delight for him and we a delight to share in what he's able to make. There's a sense of a mutual sharing and an enjoying with each other. But this this wonderful thing with God is that he also wants to share with us, he also wants to delight us with things that he enjoys and he wants us to share in that delight. And our relationship with God has this two-way process. There's the giving, then there's receiving, and then there's responding. And the way it works in our relationship with God is it's always the giving is always initiated by God. He doesn't wait for us to give. He doesn't wait for us to come. He says, I give. And you know what he gives? He gives himself. Yes, he does give gifts. But first and foremost, he gives himself to us. And that is so amazing. He gives himself to us. And then he asks us to receive. And then out of that, we respond. The way that God gives of himself to us is he give, he's given us his son. We know that, don't we? He's given us his son when he died on the cross for us, that wonderful sacrificial act of giving of himself. And then he also gives of us through the work of his Holy Spirit. He gives his Holy Spirit as our friend and our counselor. And, uh, you know, we are unable to go beyond just to an intellectual knowing. Be we able to go into a knowing of God's glory and his person because of, he gave of himself that we might know him intimately. Yes. But I want to say that this has been a little bit of a challenge and a thing for me as I've been reading and studying and God's been awakening this thing of wanting to know him. And that is that, isn't it a wonderful thing as Christians that we worship the Trinity. We, we worship the triune God, three in one. The Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I think in our Christian walks, we can just get into a rut of relating to either one or two, but not all three of the triune God. Remember I said originally, we stay like sticks in the ground. We never mature into trees unless we begin to open our hearts to God. And I believe God is saying, I want you to open your heart to the Father and to my Son and to my Holy Spirit, all three. And maybe as I speak, you might say, Lord, yes, that that side of opening my heart to you, that thing has become a little bit dull. I want to grow. I don't want to just be a stick in the ground that's praying, but I don't open my heart to you. And he's going to just allow him to speak to us. So maybe I can just talk firstly about this thing of communing with God as the Father. And I believe that as we commune with God the Father, the way that we relate to him is through love, through love. Let's have a look at uh, verses 6 to 10 of Romans 5, if you've got your Bibles. It says, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, shall we be saved from wrath through him. I'll just read up to there. But this, this, these verses tell of this amazing thing that Christ gave of himself, that God came to redeem us, to save us, when we were unworthy of that love. Everything about God's relating to us as Father is out of love. He is love. Love is what defines him. Love is what fills him. Love is the basic motivation from all of his responses to us and all of his actions to us are meted out from his love. And verse five tells us. If we just go back, it says, "Now hope uh, does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He's given us." It's not an intellectual ascent to that love. God says we're able to know and experience that love because of the Holy Spirit that's being poured out into us. And I've I've just been thinking of two little verses about love that are really challenged me over this last while, because I think that sometimes we can become to be close to that relationship with our Father, and the first one is that perfect love casts out all fear, perfect love casts out all fear, and I was sharing with some of the folk yesterday, I was saying, you know, when I grew up. I had such a happy, idyllic childhood. I, I really, I mean, I don't think I had anything that was very testing or trialsome for me. I, I was just very a very carefree child. And, uh, but as I grew up, I began to develop this fear of bad things happening because I thought it would pop my bubble. It would make this wonderful world that I'd grown up in seem, how would I cope with difficult things? And it was almost like I never really understood this verse that perfect love c- casts out fear. I didn't. And then as I grew older and I began to, began to encounter hardship, as all of us must in our lives go through, whether it's when we're young or old, we all have to go through hard times. But what began to, I began to understand. Was that even in the most horrible situations, even in the most difficult things, his love never leaves us. His love is always there. And you know what happens when we go through hard things? We start to tend to think, I'm not so sure if he loves me anymore. And that's how we start to just become a bit of a stick again. We just become, we put up a bit of a barrier in our hearts. Because we think God where are you in these difficult times? But I want to assure you that his perfect love means you don't have to fear when it's going hard. You don't have to fear when things seem to be difficult. Because he's your father and his love is constant and his love is perfect. It says we are imperfect parents. We love with our own motives. But God's love towards you is perfect. And that links again to that wonderful other verse in Hebrews. It says, he disciplines those whom he loves. He's treating us as sons. And uh, we all go through God's discipline. We all go through those times. But that is not evidence of his rejection. Hard times is evidence of our sonship. Amen. It's evidence of the fact that we have a God, a father who loves us. And uh, we, we had an incident this week with our Our oldest boy And he wanted to go off With some friends In a situation We just thought "Mm." As parents You just have that gut feeling You think No that's not a good idea We're not so happy With that scenario And it was very hard For for Matt Because he had to go To his friends And say My mom and dad Say I can't And you can imagine The rejection Or they could have Got all funny with him But you know As a parent We just had to do that And And you know, that was out of love. We said, you know why we're doing that? Because you're too precious to us, to allow for us to allow you to be in that situation. And I, I just think that sometimes we think, God, where are you being loving to us? And he says, you're too precious. You're too precious for me not to allow you to go through this difficult thing. You're too precious for me to allow you to go into that situation. And we need to maybe when, when the, the walls start closing and the heart starts closing, maybe this is a point we need to start saying, Father, maybe I've stopped believing that you love me. And just say, okay, I'm going to start to open my heart again to the Father of love. I just want to read a, a little verse, uh, a poem, um, which is called, Love Stills All Voices But Its Own. Oh, what power the love of God to silence the wrath on sinful clods. Love pierced the heart of his own son to hush the the voice of everyone. Oh, what power the love of God to satisfy and silence law. Love bruised his son in my own place to justice fill and give me grace. Oh, what power the love of God to banish sin and fill with awe. Love stooped to serve and judge my case, to draw me near to see his face. Oh, what power, the love of God, to vanquish Satan with his rod. Love conquered him, my enemy, to put to death all enmity. Oh, what power, the love of God, to rest and never be at odds. Love stills all voices but its own, to reign forever from its throne so even as I'm speaking I just feel this morning God is just wanting to as he speaks if that's the part of your heart that's closed say God I want to know you as the father who loves me and the second part is we need to know we need to commune with the son and the way that we commune and know the son is through grace we know the son through grace Let's read verses 9 and 10 of Romans 5. It says, For much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his holy life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. We are justified and we are reconciled through the obedience and atoning life and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In Colossians 3 verse 11, it says, Jesus is our all in all. There is nothing that we don't have Or that we are or that our future entails or everything about us that we don't have except because of what Jesus has done. He is our sufficient all in all one. There's nothing that we cannot have but through Jesus. And I wanna read I don't know when up at the top there Matt copied a thing called Calvin's from Calvin's Institutes. Yeah. It's a portion of what I wanted to read to you. This is what Calvin wrote. Just let these words saturate. Our whole salvation and all its parts are comprehended in Christ. We should therefore take care not to derive the least portion of it from anywhere else. If we seek salvation, we are taught by the very name of Jesus that it is of him. If we seek any other gifts of the Spirit, they will be found in Christ's anointing. If we seek strength, it lies in his dominion. If purity, in his conception. If gentleness, it appears in his birth. For by his birth, he was made like us in all respects, that he might learn to feel our pain. If we seek redemption, it lies in his passion. If acquittal, in his condemnation. If remission of the curse, in his cross. If satisfaction in his sacrifice, if purification in his blood, if reconciliation in his punishment in our place, if mortification of the flesh in his tomb, if newness of life in his resurrection, if immortality in the same, if inheritance of the heavenly kingdom in his entrance into heaven, if protection, if security, if abundant supply of all blessings in his kingdom, if untroubled expectation of judgment in the power given to him to judge. In short, since the rich store of every kind of good abounds in him, let us drink our full from this fountain and from no other. From no other. He is sufficient. He is everything that we need. He is everything that we need. In his finished work, Christ gave himself to us. Remember I said relationship is giving. He gave himself to us and he gives himself to us in three ways. He gives himself as the prophet. He gives himself as the high priest on our behalf. And he gives himself as our king. Remember I said relationship is about receiving what he gives And uh, I want to ask again, Lord, help us that we keep our hearts open to Jesus. Are we only comfortable with relating to the Father? Keep our hearts open. He is our all-sufficiency. And I first want to look at this thing. If If he gives himself to us as the prophet, as our prophet, the one who comes to us full of grace and truth. And you know what prophecy does? It does this amazing thing. When it speaks... It just cuts right through to the heart. And that's how Jesus comes to us. He comes to speak right into our hearts and he speaks through his living word. And you know what? When we receive the way he speaks to us, then our right response is to say, Lord, I respect and I I yield myself to the authority and the sufficiency of your word, of who you are. You are all-sufficient and your word is all-sufficient and I yield myself to that because you are full of grace and truth. And then Jesus also gives himself to us as the great high priest who sacrificed himself for us and he intercedes for us. And uh, you know sometimes we can think God this is too difficult things are too hard but he's saying will you open yourself to me to be reminded that I'm sitting on the right hand of the father and I'm interceding for you every day every moment every minute of the day what are you facing open your heart to me says your king your Jesus your high priest he says I'm there for you don't close your heart to me and our response is with trust and faith that he is sufficient. Yeah. His sacrifice was sufficient. We can live our lives as sacrifices in return. And then we, he gives our, us himself to us as our king. And when he gives himself to us as our king, he comes to rule over us and to protect us. If you were in a king's dominion, he would be your protector. He would shield you from the enemy. And uh, he gives himself to us like that. And when he gives himself as king, our our right response is to kneel before the king, to submit to him and say, your lordship, your ruling over my life, I'm not gonna argue with you all the time. I'm not gonna wrestle with you all the time. I say, you are king. And my right response is that. And uh, we can begin to live securely. I was joking the other day when I said that sometimes, I don't know if it's a woman thing, but when things go rocky and I just want to take control, I want to make sure everything's ship-shape and I bark my orders and get the house in control. And, uh, you know, it's often then I know I'm not relying on Jesus as king. I'm not relying on that he's sovereign and that he's in control because I'm starting to take control. And uh, maybe you relate to that. But we can live securely when we open our hearts to him as king. We don't have to start taking control. We can be be yielded and we can be trusting in his sovereignty. So we, we relate to the father through love. We have communion with the son through his grace that he's given us as a prophet, as, his, as a priest, as a king, how he's given himself and we respond to that. And then we need to communion with God, the Holy Spirit, through the comfort that he brings to us. You know, I, I believe that we can know the authority of God's word and we can know the authority of Christ in our lives in an intellectual way and never, ever really experience it. We can give a mental assent, but God wants it to go from this place to this place. And that's the wonderful role of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who enables us to experience Christ's power and Christ's authority in our lives. Um, I really. Uh, When I was uh, preparing this course The prophetic course that we ran last term I was reading from Greg Haslam He's uh, the pastor at um, Westminster Chapel And he's written a wonderful book Growing in the prophetic And he just said this very interesting thing Because we were working with the gifts of the spirit Is um, that spirituality and maturity are not the same thing That you can be proficient in many spiritual gifts But that does not make you mature and growing in Christ. Is it possible that we can prophesy and be a stick in the ground? You kind of think, how is that possible? But God is saying, I don't want all your gifts and you to be manifesting my gifts. I want you rooted in me. I want you so deeply rooted in my Holy Spirit and to love me and to know my Holy Spirit. And then those things will be a wonderful outflow. Those will be the beautiful fruits of that intimate knowing. Because I've seen in my life, sometimes I've prophesied, and then the little attitude that comes with it, I think, Ew, you operated in the spirit, but the maturity there was very lacking. And and it is possible, but God wants us to have both together. He wants us to operate in both. And uh, we can cooperate and respond with the Holy Spirit as we begin to understand how He works, how He gives Himself to us. And I just want to look at eight little things just before closing of how the Holy Spirit works with us and how we can receive that and respond. Does that make sense? You know, I've, I've been... Uh, I've been through my church experience in growing up. Uh, when I was a young child, I grew up and was saved in the Church of England, or the Anglican Church, and I had an amazing experience of the Holy Spirit. And It was a very open church to the Holy Spirit. I went to university and landed up being in a Baptist church, which was an amazing place where I was rooted in the Word of God, an incredible understanding of the word of God but not open to the Holy Spirit and then I went into another church which just taught me about the authority and government of God and a great expression of the gifts and so there's this thing that God added through my life that what I was needing in in the progression of my life but um, where was I going with this? Eight points what was I going to say? Oh I hate that when that happens. It's like when you go upstairs to get something and you forgot where you went there. But it, I just, well, I just uh, maybe it'll come back to me. I'll come back to that point. But it's just something about how this Holy Spirit does work in us. Uh, never mind. It was a little testimony. I don't know where it was going. <laughs> But the the way that the Holy Spirit works in us, one of the first things that he does in us as he works in us is that he convicts. He comes to convict us of sin in our lives. And uh, we know that when the devil comes, he comes to bring condemnation. He puts that heavy hand of guilt and just makes you feel ugly inside. And you can know that's not the Holy Spirit's work. He's so sweet when he convicts. I mean, he's sharp and he's clean and he cuts right to the core. You can be no doubt that he's putting his finger on something that needs to change, but he never makes you feel dirty. That is from the devil, that's condemnation. When the Holy Spirit comes, he just says, my son, my daughter, uh-uh, stop, no. And he just comes and he's not compromising, he just says, enough. And we have this wonderful thing and our response when he convicts is that we confess our sin. Confess means to agree with him. Yes, it's not great. I confess that and we begin to, to work with him, we cooperate with him. The second thing, the work that the Holy Spirit does is he regenerates us. You know, he begins to change us and we begin to live lives for truth and holiness. It's like we have a value change. And sometimes maybe before you were saved or when you were newly saved and when when you went to work and there was a whole pot of pens and a whole pile of loo paper and you thought, Oh, I'll take a few of those. And oh, they've got a whole stash of blue paper. I need some at home. It doesn't really matter. And we take a bit of stuff from work and we think, oh, this is fine. Um, but as we become a Christian for longer, we think, oh, maybe that's stealing, you know? Maybe I'm taking something that doesn't belong to me. But it's a very subtle thing, this change as we grow. But it's like God is regenerating us. He begins to change our value system and the things that we thought were okay before. He says, hmm, you just begin to say, I'm, I see things differently. I value things differently. That's the Holy Spirit working in us, and we cooperate with that. And then it says, the other work that he does in us is he indwells us. He comes and he presences himself. That We, can't, we don't live this life by our own power. It's by his power. Otherwise, we are most people on earth that we have this wonderful thing that we aim at and yet we do it in our own strength but God says he indwells us and he empowers us so that in all things God gets the glory this is about him in us then the fourth thing is he illuminates his word when we're reading the word before you saved you could read this and you think Well, what is that about? That just doesn't make sense. You have the Holy Spirit come, and he begins to work in your heart, and you read that, and you go, that's just for me. That's exactly what I was needing to hear. You all know what I'm talking about. That's the Holy Spirit working, and we need to open our hearts. I just remembered where I was going with that testimony. (laughs) Uh, In my Christian life... I just remembered. Holy <laughs> the Holy Spirit illuminated to me that. <laughs> <But, laughs> um, there's just been times in my Christian life and my Christian experience where I've had very wild and wacky experiences of the Holy Spirit. And we, um, in the 90s, I don't know if you know, there was like the, the Toronto blessing that came from Canada. And we had some of those manifestations in our church and God did some amazing things, and i 'm sure in all of that there 's God and there 's a bit of the flesh and there's but God does some amazing things and i 've noticed this though that sometimes when God moves in ways that are uncomfortable for us or outside of our comfort zone, we can just start to say, "Do you just stay there i'll just i 'll relate to you, Holy Spirit in that box don 't get out of that box, and you just stay there and uh, I was just feeling like sometimes we're sometimes more comfortable with the father and with the son, but the Holy Spirit, we'll, we'll open our hearts to him, but not too much. He must just stay in a little box. And I, I just feel like we need to just be a little bit wild with the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about being weird. I know we can all do weird stuff and that's usually what puts us off. But just that sense of saying, God, just what do you wanna do in me? i give you free reign i don't care what people are thinking right now if you want to come and speak to me if you if you start if i just start crying because you're moving on me that's okay just that sensitivity to the holy spirit to say i'm not going to box you anyway that's where i was going with that. but let's get that so the work of the holy spirit fourthly fifthly is that he anoints us and uh That is his wonderful when he comes in our times of worship and we're able to pour out an affection to him that is so pure. It's not anything that's our effort or our stirring up. We're just able to worship him from this overflow of his wonderful anointing in our lives, a holy affection for him. And then sixthly, he sanctifies and we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit. It means He's changing us from one degree of glory to the next. And the way that we respond when He begins to sanctify us, we repent. So we say, He says that thing there, He convicts us, that thing needs to change. And then we respond by saying, We repent. We deal an axe blow to that sin in our lives. And uh, we begin to live a life of devotion. And we allow the fear of God to be the thing that compels us. We just say, God, I just want to please you. That's what happens when he starts sanctifying us. I just, out of awe for you, I just don't want to carry on doing this anymore. I don't want to carry on speaking like this. And it begins to change us. And the seventh thing, the work that the Holy Spirit does is he comforts us. I'm sure that all of you here in, a, in your darkest moments have felt his comforting presence through our deepest trials he is there that is the work he's doing he's comforting standing alongside and we know that it says of jesus that he sympathizes with our weaknesses he doesn't cast us aside he knows when we struggle because he was tested just as we are and and he says, no temptation is, that is not common to man that he did not experience. And you think, I'm the only one who's going through this hard thing. I'm the only one facing this kind of temptation. I want to encourage you that the Holy Spirit, he doesn't pander to our sin, but he sympathizes with us in our weakness and he helps us overcome and he stands alongside or whether it be a difficult time. And the eighth thing The work that the Holy Spirit does is he seals us. And if we take, uh, again, that image of the tree and it's uh, the sun shining on us, this is the grace of God to us that we can bask in this amazing assurance that the Holy Spirit has sealed us. By that we can know that our sins are forgiven. You can be assured today that if a bus hits you, as the cliche goes, you will be in heaven. He seals us with that assurance. There's not that wrestling, am I saved, am I not saved, am I forgiven or not? The Holy Spirit comes and he says it's a done deal, it's sealed. And you know what happens is we begin to live with a heavenward focus of a future inheritance because it says that the Holy Spirit is a down payment guaranteeing what is to come. The taste, the the sense of his presence in our heart is a down payment. You know that you've got a heavenward glory that you're looking forward to because you've begun to sense and taste and know something of him now already here on earth. So I just want to just end off with summarizing this. Um... I want to ask you just in your own heart today to say, Lord, I want to keep my heart open. Thank you for the means for grace in my life. Thank you for prayer. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the fellowship of the saints who encourage me daily. Thank you for the fact that I can confess my sins and that releases grace to me. Thank you for um, those that bring correction into my life and who who help me see the things that need to change. Those are the means to grace. But Lord, I know that they only really have effect when I keep my heart open to you. I don't want to be a stick in the ground. I want to grow. I want to mature. But not for that end, but only that I might know you because that's why you've made me. I just... Phil, just in finishing, can you just turn with me to Job 22? I've been meditating on this, these few verses the last while and uh, just felt like it summarizes something of what I've been saying this morning and, and I just feel it will be wonderful for us just to minister and pray out of this morning. From verse 21 of Job 22, Job is just before the Psalms. And it says here, now acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Acquaint yourself, get to know your God, and you will be at peace. Thereby, good will come to you. Receive, please, instruction from his mouth. Who are you getting instruction from? Whose mouth is speaking in your ear? Holy Spirit says today, I want to whisper in your ear. Receive, please, instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. Let your heart be a treasure box of his words stored up inside. If you return to the Almighty, you will be built up. Isn't that a means to grace? return to him and this grace that's poured out is that we begin to be built up. And then look what happens. There's this progression. You will remove iniquity from your tents. There's something that begins to happen that transforms in our homes, in our families, that we just begin to remove those things that are not pleasing to the to the Lord. You will lay your gold dust, your gold in the dust, and um, the gold of Ophir among the stones of of the brooks. Nick spoke earlier about those things that are our little idols. And when we were in um, France, we went to this beautiful place in the mountains and there were these rocks and they had um, pyrite, which is fool's gold. And our boys were so delighted they found gold. They were, we had, our pockets were bulging with these rocks of gold that they had found. Um, But you know what? Sometimes we bulge our pockets with fool's gold. And God is saying, that's not real gold. You're putting all these rocks in your pockets and it's just worthless stuff. Because look what happens when you turn, return to the Lord. It says the, the Almighty will be your gold and he will be your precious silver. And then you will have delight in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. And that is my prayer for us this morning. Let's get that fool's gold out of our pockets. Let let the holy almighty God be our true gold, our true precious silver. And we can begin to lift up our face and know our God. Just in praying this morning and yesterday, we, there was just something of a sense of there are things that come in and begin to block that openness to God. And one of the areas I've just been feeling in the Holy Spirit, just a sense of, is the word disappointment. And uh, we were chatting yesterday and um, we said that sometimes when we have disappointment with people or even circumstances that disappoint us, it's funny how we actually begin to be disappointed with him. Actually, our hearts start to change towards our Father, and we start to think, do you really love me? Jesus, are you really all-sufficient? And Holy Spirit, where, where is your comfort? And I just want to ask this morning, I just want to pray. Maybe there's something of that for you. you just, maybe there's something that's been disappointing in your life. And maybe you aren't even aware of that, but if the Holy Spirit is showing you that, it might be with people or circumstances that haven't worked out. But I just can I just pray, can you just bow heads and if that's for you, just say, Lord, I want to break that wall that's grown up, been put up because of disappointments. And I want to keep my heart soft to know that you do love me, that Jesus, you are sufficient. Oh, Lord, we know that you are so amazing that you even allow us to be disappointed. You are, you are in control. You are not taken su- by surprise by our disappointments. But, Lord, you are in your wisdom. You allow those things to point us to you. And Father, we want to say sorry this morning where disappointments have made us close our hearts to you so that our walk with you has become like a formula, like a set of principles, like a, a mechanistic thing. Father, we want to open our hearts to you again. Come and reveal yourself to us afresh this morning. Come, and Lord, we want to know your love as our Father. We want to know, Jesus, that everything we need, we find in you. You are our all-sufficient one. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, come afresh this morning. Come and fill us with your presence in a way that we haven't sensed for a long time for those of us who feel dry. We ask, Lord, minister to us this morning. So that we might grow into the trees, into the wonderful, fruitful boughs that you have purposed for us. Oh, we want to soften our hearts before you.